0: Oh well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. Um, Greg, that was that was fantastic. Church, you did a great job singing. Um, we're, we're we're expecting gale force winds this morning. So one of the things I do is I watch the weather every week, every day, to make sure that when you're outside and you have kids' classes outside. You have to you have to put your trust in the weather weatherman and the geological ge, you know geological reports that are coming out, and so it's supposed to be gale force winds and I guess the winds the wind didn't show up so it's beautiful it's sunny and it's a little wet but we're grateful that our high school ministry is here and we're grateful that they're being uh, with us this morning and we got a, we got a we got a, an announcement that we want your input on I'll and I'll do that at the end of the service but this morning I want to talk about the series that we're working on right now through our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. And what is a disciple of Jesus? What is a disciple? You know, church can be disappointing. You know, people experience disappointment in church quite often. And one of the reasons why they do that is because sometimes the church is filled with people that just go to church and it's not filled with people who are actually disciples of Jesus. And there's a difference in 1994, in Rwanda, there was a uh, an ethnic genocide of two different uh, people. It was the Tutsis and the Hutus. And so uh, the 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 Hutus wanted to eliminate the Tutsis. And so 800,000 men, women, and children were killed. And there was a, there was a moment where as they're running for their lives, they entered a church and Father Zurumba welcomed the Hutus, I mean the Tutsis, into the into the building. Two thousand fit in there, and then he then he notified the militia of the other side, and they came and they bulldozed the building, killing all of them. That happened several times in Rwanda. Absolutely horrifying. People taking refuge. And one of the women that came out of there that survived the the genocide, she she said to herself and to to the interviewer, I can't go back to church. Not after what happened there. Not after what the church people did. Church can be disappointing. Historically, Christianity went off the rails after Jesus. After the first few hundred years of Christianity, Christianity went off the rails. And you can look at your history books, and it's horrifying what they did. Because Christianity became a religion. it became an institution. It no longer was being a disciple of Jesus and loving people. It became an institution that thrived on power and control of humanity, and it became something else. And religion is what killed Jesus. Don't ever forget that. The institutions kills the message of Jesus. So this morning, it's important that we, we process what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Sometimes when you're sitting here at church and you're struggling and nobody seems to care—that's disappointing. When the church isn't helping you, when you're struggling, when you're when you're seeing Christians fight Christians, when you're seeing Christians refuse to love the prodigal sons and daughters, when politics trump lo- trump's love, when churches split, when then people out there that are that are seeking God and are lost spiritually, no one's reaching out to them. When you feel like your life is not improving, it could could feel disappointing. Because a church without love is cold. And this message of Jesus is being his followers and following his teaching. You know, if you ask any any member of this church who's been around a while, they'll tell you, church can be disappointing. If you ask any minister around, church can be disappointing. Okay, if you've been around long enough, you know that sometimes people get off track And it becomes disappointing. Now, I want to look at a parable, if you don't mind. In Matthew 13, my first point is you got to figure in the competition because there's a competition for your heart. And Jesus gives us these four reasons why churches sometimes are disappointing. And the reason number one is you got to figure in the competition. In Matthew 13, there's a story that Jesus shares that he, he's telling a story, but he's challenging the audience that your heart has to choose between four different kinds of soil. Soil is the ground that things grow in. And so the story goes like this. A farmer went out to sow a seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it didn't have en- enough soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still others be, uh, uh, fell on the good soil and it produced a crop, a hundred or 60, 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And Jesus is asking this question, and, he, and he's asking the question, "Which soil are you?" And then he and then this he he interprets this story for people to kind of digest it. And he says, "Listen, then what did the parable of the sower means?" Listen, to what, what I'm trying to to get you to think about and self reflect in your heart. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. or was sown in the heart. You know when you come to church and you're just a church attender, and you just open, you just come to hear a message and it just bounces right off. You're you're the one. Your heart is one on the path, where God is giving you the seed, but it can't sink into the ground because you're not paying enough attention. You're not willing to understand and learn what, what God is trying to teach or or give to you. And so the evil one comes and he takes it away. This is the seed that's sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and the one who receives it with joy but then but since they have no root they only last a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word they quickly stumble and fall away the seed among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word and the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Which type of soil is your heart resting on right now? The path means you don't understand the word of God. So here comes the enemy. He's going to come take it away. The rocks, you get excited. This is awesome. Church was amazing. Singing was incredible, Greg, right? It was amazing, but you don't have to, be, but you're not rooted in it. And so the moment the hard times come, you're ready to give in. And the thorns, you hear the word of God, but you're so busy and there's so many things going on in your life. You don't have time to take it seriously and thus you bear no fruit. And then there's the good soil. You hear, you understand, you hold fast to it, unlike the rocky soil, and you value it, you prioritize it, and it grows. There's the path. You You feel comfortable. This is beautiful. And you're looking at the trees, but you're not paying attention to the word of God. And there's the ones that grow on the rocky ground or the rocks. There's just no depth. There's just no root system. There's no community. There's nothing deep there. So when hard times come, They stumble, and then there's the the ones who fall among the thorns, and it's crowded. Everyone wants your attention. Everyone wants your time, but you you can't do it all. Something has to give, and so they get crowded, and they lose their heart, and then there's the good soil, of course, an awesome soil. You know, I love the way Jesus puts these in parables because he wants you to think about your heart. He wants you to think about your heart. Our church automatic, are churchgoers, are they automatically the good soil because they hear the word of God? Every layer of soil was exposed to the word of God. Every one of them. But only one produced the crop, the harvest. So you got to figure in that that's yeah, going to happen. The soil, there's competition. But you also got to figure in there's going to be fakes as well, imposters. And so it, he goes on to, in the same chapter to tell another parable and he says the kingdom is like a farmer who sowed good seed in his field but when the enemy sowed the weeds in the same field so two different kinds of people sowing different kinds of seeds rather than pull up the weeds and risk pulling up the wheat along with it the farmer chooses to wait until the harvest where he said we'll separate the wheat from the weeds and if you want a further explanation of that just go down to 36 to 43 and your quiet time or after church. You can look at that. And then another parable. The kingdom is like a net which catches all kinds of fish and hauls them to shore. The good fish are collected into baskets, and the bad fish are thrown away. You know, when I go fishing, I always throw away the carp. You know, the carps are like, Ugh, they're not very good f- eating fishing. If you have trout and a carp, you're going, carp, you're going away. It's the trout you want. You don't want the carp, right? The carp's will saturate the lake, but you don't want those kind of fish. It's the bad fish. So this is what Jesus is trying to get at. It, it's a treasure of great value. And parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in his field. And while he was sleeping, his enemy came and he sowed seeds among the wheat and went away and it sprouted and formed heads and the weeds appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, sir, you sowed good seed in the field. And where'd the weeds come from? And Jesus replies in the story, an enemy did this. Do you want us to pull them up? Nope, just wait, just wait until the harvest. Because when you're, when you're gonna pull the weeds, you may uproot the weak. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I'll tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles and burn, be, and burn them, then gather the weed and bring them into me. You gotta consider the fakes. Everyone looks like a Christian, but not everyone's a Christian, right? As a minister, it's a sad thing to, to realize that that people come to church and they're like, you know, there's there's real there's real disciples and there's there's fake disciples. That's just a reality. Because you can just fake it. You come to church, you give, tithe, and you know, you serve, but you're just you're just not a disciple. You're just a churchgoer. You just you just come sit here and you, and it looks real. It looks like the same. Like that's wheat and that's not wheat. That's a weed. They almost look identical, but you always know them by their life. Do they love God and do they love other people? See, Jesus is trying to get to the heart of the matter. He's really trying to get us to really think about, man, we really got to consider doing this. We really got to consider making this our life. We got to consider making our life when we're not fixed so people can see a difference in our lives. And then Jesus goes on in this, in the, in the same chapter, he goes, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into a lake and and caught all kinds of fish. And when the, when the, when the fishermen pulled up the shore, they sat down, they collected the good in the basket and they threw the bad away. And then he explains kind of the eschatological end of times, what happens. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. And God sees the real and the and the fakes. He sees them. We may not see them. Like, you you can fool me. I mean, you can fool everybody in this room. That's why fakes are so, it's so hard to, you know, the counterfeit money sometimes is hard to go. That's why they go in the store. They go, is this real. And they look for like a little, it's hard to I'm get like, I'm like, it's 20 bucks. Why are you doing that? It's real. I, I don't know. They know. The angels come and they separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace. And we've been going to I know that sounds very brutal, but that's what happens at the end of time. There, there's a separation. And so you got to figure in the fakes when, you, when, you're, when you're dealing with your heart. And, and Jesus, he meant these parables for you to ask yourself the tough questions. Are you a follower of Jesus or are you faking it? See, Jesus is trying to invite you in to examine yourself. He's inviting you in. Hey, look at your own self. Self-reflect. Are you faking it or are you the real thing? And the third reason is that you've got to figure in there's a process. And Jesus tells a couple parables about process, things that, uh, that I really appreciate because, uh, you know, I know there's Instacart, but there's still a process, right? You know, I know that we like things now. We, I, you know, I want to buy this and hey, go to Instacart and someone delivers it to your house. Boom, it's right there. You know, there's a process to growth. And Jesus gives these parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and they perch in the branches. The mustard seed is tiny when it begins, but it is a gigantic tree when it's mature, and that's what he's telling the audience. He told them there's still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a yeast like yeast that a woman took and mixed about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And once she kept mixing and mixing, it filled the whole batch of dough. Church is not about, it's not a, it's a one-time event where you get all, oh, I want Jesus in my life. It's not that. It's a little quiz. I'm gonna give you some of the answers though. It's not the time you oh, I, I go, I got baptized. I got baptized. I was baptized as a baby. I was baptized when I was eight. I was baptized when I was 12. I'm good. It's not a one-time baptism. Um, it's not a one-time event where you go to youth camp or teen camp and you felt convicted and you're going, I'm going to re-educate my life to Jesus. And then you move on. It's a one-time event, summer camp. And then next summer camp, you do it again. And that summer camp, you do it again. Or it might be. A lifelong process of growth. Think about when you first got baptized to now. If you could see the video tip of your life, you're going like the first three years, you're like, that's not a Christian, right? <laughs> like, oh, he's he's getting he's he's starting to get it, age five, five, and seven, 10 and twelve, and you start seeing growth, and that's important because process is important. You don't get, you don't get. Uh, Christianity where you plant a seed and you just call it good. I'm good, I'm good. I was at church Sunday, I'm good. No, it doesn't work that way. Christianity is a process of growing into what God meant you to be, growing. Christianity is not a little speck of leaven in the dough. It's leaven that works through the whole dough. And it's a lifelong process of growing. And when you put every area of your life under the lordship of jesus every area sometimes we like to pick areas we select every little boxes we check okay my sunday mornings are for the lord you know my school is for the lord and we we don't check all the boxes my marriage is under the lordship my dating relationship is under the lordship of jesus we don't we don't want to check those boxes because it's better to fake it it's better to live in the moment and we don't check the, the boxes that will transform us. And so this is important for us. The fourth reason why church can be disappointing is you got to figure in the cost. You got to figure in the cost. And he goes on. The kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field, where, which, which a person discovered and then sold everything he had to buy or in order to buy it. He must have been sure, right? The kingdom of, is like a merchant finding a pearl of such great worth that he sold everything he had in order to buy it. Both of these guys found some, the kingdom of great value, and they were not disappointed. They were convinced. And so what they do is they, they bought it, and they invested in it. And it's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hit it again, and then he bought the entire fields. Here's our problem. Our hearts aren't big enough for this kingdom-sized treasure, plus all the, war- all the world has to offer you. Something has to give eventually. You don't get to have everything. Because the world wants you, and God wants you. You have to choose who is going to be your king. You have to decide. And that's what Jesus is trying to, he want, he's inviting you into these stories going, you're going to have to decide. You're going to have to decide that it's a lifelong process and there are ups and downs to Christianity, but hang in there because you're the good soil because our hearts aren't big enough. We have to choose, but sometimes, you know, we want it all. And if you're, you know, I used to think like that when I was younger, I want it all. I want it. And now I, you know, I can't have it all. Something has to give. I can't have an 80 hour a week job because it's going to, it's, it's something's going to happen to my marriage right i can't be at work all 70 hours and someone's gonna my relationship with my kids are gonna suffer right but i'm making all this money you can't have it all you can't right there's gonna, something's gonna give so what what jesus is trying to get us to see is is take some sobriety and some lessons on finding something of great value and am, am i willing to invest my life into something that I see great value in, and that's a relationship with God. Do I find great value in that? And so it's gotta be these sober realities that we wanna live in, that the soils, the first parable, merely hearing the word doesn't cut it. The fish and the wheat, merely looking like a Christian, doesn't cut it. Maybe the mustard seed and the leaven Merely starting out as a Christian doesn't cut it. And the treasure and the pearl, merely window shopping, doesn't cut it. You know, there are four reasons why church can be disappointing. You got to figure in the competition. You got to figure in the fakes. You got to figure in the process. And you got to figure in the cost. And the answer that Jesus gives us is that you're not only a church church. You guys are citizens of God's kingdom. That's how he frames it. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And you're a citizen of that. And God is the king of this kingdom. And the kingdom demands everything because a kingdom has two parts. It has a king who leads us and the people who follow. That's a kingdom. And the Bible, the Bible's word to describe that. The best way the Bible describes this posture, this position, this heart is a disciple of jesus who willingly understands and embraces the teachings of jesus and what are those main teaches love god and love others it's that simple it's not that it's not that you can read the entire bible and the summary is love god and love people love your neighbor love each other you know this weekend i was it was filled with disciples last night i got home really late because we went on a on a double date with Sean Beanick and his uh, is a date from the sister from orange County named ping ping. It was awesome. We were in Burbank, you know, I was like, you know, when I was younger, I used to sneak out to go to parties when I'm older, I sneak out of parties to go home. And I was like, Oh, like it's like, it's like nine 30. It's like nine 30. My legs are a little, sore. I was like, I want to sneak out and go home for some reason, when I'm young, I want to sneak out to go to the party, but you're going to, you, you, you youngsters, you're going to realize that later on, you want to get, you want to leave. And I was like, no, we're going to hang in there. We're going to walk. And it was just an encouraging, encouraging, awesome night. And then uh, on Friday night, we, uh, we had, I took my wife on a date. and you know, I had Roland in May, went out to a nice dinner. And then, you know, we, we looked at each other. Oh, it's kind of late, isn't it? Yes. It's kind of late. Let's go back. Home. <sighs> go to sleep and relax. You know, you got to figure that in. It's, it's an important aspect of being a disciple, is, is being a part of this amazing kingdom and relationships, you know, read, getting up and reading your Bible. You know, when I was a young disciple, I would just read to read. I, I, I wasn't even digesting. I would ask, hey, do you, hey, you have a quiet time today? I'm like, yeah. Well, it, was, it was like 2 o'clock. And I had it like at 8. What was your quiet time No idea. No idea. No. I, I read something, though, but it just it was on the path. And the bird came and got it. I, it wasn't like I, I read it and it wasn't like thinking about it. I didn't meditate on it. I just, I, I thought I, you were just supposed to read this little verse for the moment. And then I forget about it the rest of the day. And I realized my life wasn't changing and I wasn't growing. All right. So and it's not just reading your Bible. It's, it, it's not the quantity either. It's the quality. Sometimes you're just reading a verse or something that strikes you like, wow. And you think about that. You know, there's this guy, um, that's pretty famous in the religious world. Um, his name is father Joseph Damien. He was a um, a man who went and visited the islands in Hawaii and saw the leper colony there. When his time, the, there was no cure for leprosy. So you got it and they would isolate you and then you would die. So they put them until so the, the Hawaiians... Decided, okay, these people are dangerous to our society. We got to put them on an island. And they put them on the island of Molokai. And Joseph Damien goes there and he decides to live among them and love them. He builds their their chapels, their little worship centers. He builds housing for them and he lives among them and he stays among them. And so he sailed there in about 1863 and in 19, um, 19, uh, 1885, he starts his sermon by saying, we lepers, because he had contracted the disease of leprosy and it was fatal. So he spent the remaining days of his life serving the lepers of Molokai and he passed away in 1889. 100 years later, Geo Garces graduates from Joseph Damien High School. And this was the story they would tell the incoming freshmen. And I never forgot the story. It was like a seed of this is the kind of man that I want to be like. Because he treasured the kingdom and he was willing to give his life for others. Is he part of our church? No, but I recognize men like these. Because they're, they're honorable men who gave up everything for the kingdom of God. And so when I heard this story, I never forgot it. And I would tell my son this story. And guess what my son wanted to do? He wanted to go to Damien High School. Let's go. Right? And this is, these are kind of the, the, the people that I looked up to as a young man. And it's no surprise that when God called me to follow him, In 1993 at Mount Sac, a community college, I responded to the call because I was, I was introduced to men like this. I'm like, I want to be like that. You mean Jesus? I want to be like those guys. So God has been dropping seeds in your heart your whole life. For the day he will call you, will you respond? Because God is not looking for a church. He's looking for a kingdom that are filled with his disciples. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this amazing uh, look into the parables of Jesus and inviting us in, inviting us in to examine us. And as we take communion this morning, as Paul writes in, in Corinthians, that we would examine ourselves. Are we in the faith? Are we faking it? Are we invested uh, and God, I pray that you'll, you'll give us the strength to sift out, to be honest with ourselves and how we're doing and that we will uh, rely on each other because you want us to be a community of followers. God, we lift you up. We thank you for the sacrifice and the teachings you left us. So we'll follow you. And thank you for the great examples of men throughout history who have really treasured the kingdom and laid their lives down for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, We're going to do our contribution. Like I told you, we're we're going through a book together for the whole year. You're going to have one book read, right? Um, Contribution. So after David had united the kingdom, the monarchy, he had a son named Solomon and he he grew the monarchy and grew the land. And it was amazing. It was an amazing time in Israel. When Solomon died, the the, the monarchy of Israel uh, became um, fractured into two. And what happened there was that people started taking advantage of their brother. And so w- what ends up happening is that the poor fell into, intergen- uh, into generational pro- poverty and were ruled by the rich brothers, their comrades, their fellow Israelites, self-centered landowners who had sponsored their priestly leaders and prophets who would not criticize them. They paid the priests and the local prophets to support their systematic, self-centered, taking advantage of the poor. Nothing has changed, right? It's still the same. People pay off important people to misinform you. That's just part of our society. It happened there. And I want you to know that it happened there and it happens now. And what God did, God sent his prophet over there. Because they, those guys were on the payroll. So God sends Amos over there. And Amos is not from there. And God goes, Amos, I want you to go over there. He was like, that's not my part of town. God, he goes, get over there, right? Go there and speak my words to these people. He's like, they could kill me. They most likely will, but go over there and give them this message. And he he says this, the prophet Amos 4, verse 1 and 2. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan. I remember Bashan was that sinister mountain, that northern territory. He calls them satanic, demonic, right? Cows meaning the, the females in this case, they were, the, were the, the women whose husbands were wealthy, um, who oppressed the poor and crushed the needy, who say to their husbands, "Bring me a drink." The Lord, <laughs> the Lord God has, show, has sworn by His holiness that behold, the days are coming upon you when they shall take away, take you away with hooks, and later on they were. The Assyrians took them away with hooks and the Babylonians took them away with hooks because God cannot tolerate when, when, the, when the rich oppress the poor, cannot tolerate. That's why generosity is what God wants to teach you. Not just church contribution. The Israelites were giving their tithing to the temple. That's good. And, I, and most of you do that. Not all of you, but most of you. But I'm not talking about giving to the church. I'm talking about you being known as a generous person in your neighborhood. When people think of you, that person is generous. That person bought me a burger for no reason other than he thought I looked hungry and he bought me a burger. Generosity. You know, you felt it when someone paid for your coffee in front of you and they, they paid it back. And you're like, someone bought my coffee. You got all excited. Or someone bought your meal in secret at a restaurant. And you're like, oh, my God, I've done that. I bought meals, people in secret, never knew, they never knew who I was. And I'm sure they were like all excited. We should be generous people. And that's what God's message is from the prophets to, to the Israelites is be a generous person. So if you're not contributing to the, to the church community, the tithing and all that, I want to encourage you to think about that. Separate the fakes from the reals, right? Contribute, be a part of that. I'm not telling you how much, I'm just telling you do something, right? Give. But also, for those who are giving consistently in generosity, which is awesome, extend that to generosity. Be known as a generous person. Be known as that person. Because it it influences other people. You know, there's these people on YouTube. One guy is called Mr. Beast. I don't really follow him, but he always pops up like, Mr. Beast, Mr. Beast. And he's getting criticized for helping people. But how he gets his business is that if you watch his videos, he helps people. He makes a ton of money, and he helps a ton of people. And I thought, the world, that's pretty generous. That's pretty smart to be paid a lot of money to go help people. Generosity. He's the number one YouTuber in the world. So you may I don't like that. You shouldn't get my, well, this person is, in, is changing the world. And I don't even follow this guy and I've heard of him. I was like, who is this guy? So I clicked, I'm like, oh, it's so amazing. You know, it's just amazing, right? There's another guy that goes around. These neighborhoods that are overgrown. He goes, Can I can I clean up and mow your lawn for you? And people are like, What, what do you want? I'm like, no, I'll just do it for free. They're like, for free? They're like, What's the what's the what's the, what's the what's the stick? You know, what's what do you really want? No, I just want to cut your lawn for free. And they go, okay, and they're suspicious. And he cleans up their entire overgrown house of all the weeds, cleans it up. And millions of people watch him do it. And then he gets paid for that. And guess what he does? He keeps doing it. And he goes on and on. And people like that are impacting the world. How much more of disciples should be impacting the world? How much more should we be thinking about those things? So I'm not just talking about church contribution. That hopefully you're doing that and you want to do that. But I'm talking you as a person to be a person that God looks like. I mean, my people are generous. My people are because I'm their king and I'm generous, they'll be generous. Let's pray for our contribution. God, thank you so much for Amos. I'm I'm sure he died and delivering that message because it was, it was very difficult to deliver that message to a, to a powerful elite. And most of the prophets did perish because they spoke your words and God, I I admire their bravery and father help us to examine our hearts about just our weekly contribution for the church, but also extending that past to being a, just a holistic, generous person. And I pray that they will have an impact in our community and you'll bless our efforts to do that. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen.